This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who, was ra who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brother brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God, who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I am not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Uh, you may have noticed that she wasn't using her Bible uh, when she read that. Uh, that's because several months ago, some students uh, in the student ministry, we decided to, and I challenged them. I said, all right, here's, what, here's your challenge for the month, this thing we do called the cast. I'd love for you to take the book of Galatians and hand copy it. Yeah, that means sit down, look at the Bible, copy it word for word into another notebook rather than just reading it. And so we did that, and so we got these little journals, and they were all able to pick their own, and, and on the, the right side of the notebook, I just had them write down the actual scripture, word for word. We copied verse for verse, word for word. It took a month to do it. And on this left side, I just said, start writing down things that you see. What stands out to you? What do you, what, 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 what do you have questions about? What do you love? What are you like, whoa, that's tough to, to, to swallow. And so for the month, we just hand-copied the book of Galatians. And so as we did that, um, my heart just started to just freak out a little bit. Because I, I started to ask myself, because the tone that Paul takes in this is a little different than the normal Paul tone. Now, I, I started asking myself, what do I get emotional about? What do I freak out about? What, do I, what causes a response in me to not want to stay calm, but to sort of raise my voice and start talking loudly? Because <laughs> that's what Paul actually starts to do here. And so I had to ask myself that question, like, what, what do I start to get emotional about? See, Paul, um, in this whole letter, he's shocked at the church, and he's furious at the false teachers. Like he's shocked at the church. He's freaked out by the church. But he's furious at those who are leading people in the wrong direction. Now, I know for some of you that's, that's uncomfortable. Well, why? You can't tell somebody that they're wrong. That's a strange idea. We shouldn't do that. But you see, the thing is, Paul planted these churches. Paul was the one who went in or the, the, the soil was hard and he was able to proclaim the good news of Christ to these people who had never heard about it. He was the one who did the hard work. He, he prayed the prayers. He, he gave his life. He shared with all of these people and he, he saw people believe and receive the true gospel, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that God himself had planned to use as a rescue mission to the Gentiles and to the Jews Faith in Christ would bring rescue. And he was seeing this stomped on. And, and I feel like the, the, you know, there's this whole thing of Paul's hard work was going to go to waste, so he's getting mad about it. Like for me, when I, build, you know, m when I was in high school, I built these, these models. They were the, the hard ones, too. You had to glue them. You know, they weren't the snap-on ones that are really easy for any kid to do. But it was like I actually had to use glue 
I had to use the little razors, those little tiny stickers that you have to put on those models. Whose fingers are tiny enough to put them in the right place? No one's. And so I was sitting there, and I spent time, and I worked on this thing, and I, and I did everything. And all of my work was destroyed in less than two seconds when my younger brother got a hold of it and just threw it across the room because he thought it was a helicopter to throw. And boom, fury, all my hard work, wasted, destroyed in two seconds. Now, see, Paul wasn't really mad about models. He wasn't mad about a building. But what he was so concerned about was that the, the plan of God was being stomped on by human teaching. God's rescue plan was at stake because men had come in and begun to proclaim a different gospel. That was no gospel at all. It pretended to be, but it was not good news. And Paul's heart is a little emotional about this. So this morning, I'd really love to begin this series by just considering Paul's opening. The first 10 verses of Galatians, and I'd encourage you to go home and read them as many times as you can, over and over and over, and meditate on it and chew on it. Um, For me, several years ago, it was actually in the year 2000, I was having a conversation with a guy in a coffee shop that that myself and Miles and a couple other folks were running. And this guy that I was talking with was not some guy just randomly, but he was a guy in my eyes who was a spiritual giant. This guy had been responsible for really um, bringing to life prayer clubs at, at, at high school at a high school campus. They saw so much stuff done because of the faithfulness of God. And I remember having this conversation with him in the coffee shop, and he said these words to me. He said, "Jason, there has to be more to Christianity than this." I said, what are you talking about? And he was like, there has to be more than just behaving and being good and doing nice things. And I remember just looking at him going, you're, I think you're right. And, and sadly, I don't know where he is today. I do know that, it, that, that he kind of took a turn and was walking away from the faith because of this whole thing of there's got to be more. And I don't know what it is, but maybe I'm not going to sit and wait on the Lord. These conversations for me started a journey in going and understanding that there's nothing more than the gospel. There's just more of the gospel. So if you're sitting in this room struggling and going, there's got to be more than being good in behavior, you're absolutely right, but it is not going to take you beyond the gospel. See, there are those who say that the gospel, the good news, is the ABCs of Christianity. There are those who disagree and say, no, it is the A to Z of Christianity. It's not the diving board into the Christian life. The pool is actually the gospel. So there's something that has to switch in us to understand that the good news, the gospel that Paul is so emotional over in this letter, which you will see over and over, It's God's rescue plan, and and Paul has every right to be freaked out that man's teaching would replace God's heart for people who don't know him. And so Paul is pretty hot over this. Now, um, for me, I was under the impression, and maybe you could relate, that there were things that I needed to add on to my faith. Watch this clip. place an order? Um, what do you like? Yeah, I'd like uh, three orders of garlic chicken. And then? And then three orders of white rice. And then? And then... Oh, hey, you guys want soup? Sure. sure. Yeah, three orders of uh, wonton soup. And then? 
Oh, uh, some fortune cookies, too. And then? Uh, gosh, I think that's about it. And then? No, that's it. And then? No, and then. I, I, that's, that's all I want. And then? <laughs> and then, and then I'm, and then I'm, then nothing else, because I'm done ordering, okay? And then? Uh, no, no. See, all, all I want is the three orders of the garlic chicken and the three orders of the white rice. Huh, and then? And the soup, dude. Oh, and, and the wonton soup. And then? And a cookie's fortune. Hey, and the, and the fortune cookies, yeah. So it's just the, uh, it's the, the chicken, the rice, the soup, and the fortune cookies, and that's it. And then? <laughs> And then, uh, you can put it in a brown paper bag and come put it in my hand, because I'm ready to eat. And then... Hey, I refuse to play your Chinese food mind games. And then... No! No and then! And then... No and then! And then! 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 Alright, if you didn't catch the connection there, there is no and then to the Christian walk. There is no and then to the gospel. And I hope you hear that over and over and over this week because when I'm watching all the options in this life to add on to things, we have so many options, we do this with Christ. We add to him and we don't even know it. Because it's so commonplace for us. Now, here's the thing. My prayer is this morning that you will know that there can be only one gospel. There can be only one. And for all of you Duncan McLeod Highlander fans, that is what I'm referring to. There can be only one gospel. There are not two gospels. There are not three. There are not pretend good news. They are bad news if they are not the good news. And that's really where Paul takes us. Now, in Galatians chapter 1, starting verses 1 and 2, listen to Paul's introduction. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. Now, Paul is saying, don't forget... See, when the false teachers came in, they actually attacked Paul and his story and who he was and everything about him and his message. And Paul is saying to these guys, don't forget that I came to you not from someone else's authority, not from a man's authority, but from Christ himself. Now, if you didn't know Paul's backstory, there was another thing he was zealous for before his love for the gospel. And you can see what it was zealous for uh, in Acts chapter 9. Meanwhile, Saul, who was Paul, was his name before he became a Christ follower, was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He required letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. The way is actually what this cult was considered. They were followers of the way, Jesus. And so Paul saw these guys as a problem. 
And so he asks to be able to arrest them. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. (coughs) He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. What would cause someone so anti-gospel to become convinced of the good news? Experiencing the grace that comes from Christ. Jesus did not confront Saul to kill Saul. He confronted Saul to call him. He confronted Saul to go, you may have been writing one story, but I have another story that is so much better. We actually know Saul was his family-given name. Paul is the name he goes by. And there's people who suggest two different reasons why Paul was the name. Because um, in in, in other biblical, non-biblical sources, Paul was referred to as short, bald, fat, tiny, uh, bulging eyes. Like, the description that is given for Paul is nothing that I think of. Because, you know, when we typically think of men in the Bible, we're like, we think they're like this. Because, like, that's the felt board character design, is they're typically like this. Paul may have been a very short fat, balding, bulgy-eyed individual who was small. Paul actually means the least, lesser. But there are also those who believe that it was his self-given name because he understood he was the least deserving of the grace of God. Because he himself was so zealous to kill Christians and was responsible for the death of many. So we see this transformation in Paul, and the only, the only reason I can go, wow, this dude started anti-gospel, suddenly becomes all gospel or nothing, the only reason I can see is that he was radically impacted by the grace that he was shown, which is what he leads us to in verse 3. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. This is what Paul experienced. Paul saw the grace of God in Christ and was finally able to be at peace with God. He's trying so hard to be at peace. And here's the thing. I have a lot of friends who are pastors, and they, um, they sign their emails, grace and peace, in their name. And as the more I've looked at this signature, the more I've been able to go, you know what? I know what you're trying to tell me. Because if you understand what grace is, grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor of God. Okay? So when somebody says grace and peace, literally what they're saying is, Jason, you don't deserve anything that you have. You haven't worked hard enough. You can't earn enough. Things aren't as good as you think they are. And you're probably running from God in some areas. Grace. But see, grace always comes before peace. Always. See, the thing is, the biblical understanding of what peace looks like is only attained when that sin debt that we, are, that we owe is paid for and our sins are forgiven. This is how real peace is achieved. Now, we live in a city that does not say that. Now, peace can be achieved by thinking positively. Maybe reason more. If you reason it out then you can get to peace. Do more good works. If you do more good to outweigh your bad, then you've got a good system working and that will cause you peace. Relax. Do yoga. Stretch more. Recycle more. 
Do all of these things more and somehow you will achieve peace. I am not saying that these things in and of themselves are bad. Great ideas will not attain the peace that the human heart is longing for. This is the good news. That the grace, the unmerited favor, some have described grace as one-way love. Meaning that God himself is pouring out his love on us and there ain't nothing we can do about that. That's crazy to just sit in just for a second. To consider grace one-way love. I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. In fact, I was running from God. And yet he still expressed love for me through Christ's death on the cross. Now, the peace that Paul is talking about is not just the absence of war. Yes, we do know that peace with God is possible through Christ, and so we are no longer enemies of God. But the peace that Paul is talking about is not just no fighting. The peace he's talking about is actually the shalom of God, and we don't have time to unpack all that it is, but it's deeper than the absence of war. It actually refers to the wholeness. Us being made whole. And isn't that what we're always trying to do to find peace? We're trying to find that thing that will make us whole, right? That's where we're headed. That's what we run to. We're like, I'm going to attain peace if I can just get this, and if I can just get that, if I can just get this. We're living out trying to get the shalom of God without God. And Paul is saying that the only way that that peace comes is through the forgiveness of sin found in Christ Jesus. And this is why Paul leads us directly to the cross in verses 4 and 5. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Now just leave that up there for a second, please. If you have ever been confused about how to share the gospel with someone, this is a one-sentence summary for you to memorize. Some of you feel like you have to memorize a book on how to share the gospel. This is one sentence, one sentence that captures the entire thing. Which is why Paul leads us to this. Because it's the only way to peace, to understand that Jesus gave his life for our sins we see that the, the sin issue is no light deal. Some of us see sin as just kind of us doing a bad thing every once in a while, or it's kind of, it's not a big deal, it's just this. No, it's a very big deal. Jesus had to give his life for our sins. Paul is expressing how huge the problem of sin is. And it was so big that he had to give his life for our sins. Now, what we find of ourselves is that we're absolutely helpless Because we are the receivers of rescue. This is what sets Jesus apart from every other teacher of the day. See, teachers came to tell you how to be rescued. Jesus came to rescue. Do not be fooled. Jesus did not come to teach you how to be rescued. He came to rescue you. There's a very real difference. When someone is drowning in the ocean, you do not throw them an instruction manual of how to be rescued. You extend a rope or a hand and you rescue them. This is, in effect, what Paul is saying is at stake. If you guys follow a false gospel, you are forgetting that you were rescued. You were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his dear son. By Jesus' rescue. And honestly, 
We don't know why God chose to do it this way. Other than that, it was his plan. I don't have any reason to tell you other than what I see in the Bible, and it says it was God's plan to rescue us this way. I can't tell you why other than it was his plan. That's a good plan. (laughs) But Paul makes it very clear that it was God's plan to rescue us in this way. And we can rejoice in that. And this is where I love why Paul concludes this little section with all glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And I don't think we understand that sometimes. I think sometimes we read the Bible or we write something down or we're listening to a podcast and we're like, oh, good grief. That's amazing. Somebody's got to hear what I just heard. All glory to God forever. Amen. Paul's talking to somebody right here and there's this praise breakout. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but like he just makes this declaratory statement of the good news of the gospel. And he's like, oh, Jesus, that is so good. Somebody's got to hear this. Did you hear what he just said? Oh, man, I cannot believe it. Like there are sometimes I'm driving down the road and listening to a podcast and I'll hear somebody say something. I just want to roll my window down. Did you guys hear what he just said? That's amazing. I mean, there's sometimes you're in your quiet time and you're, you're sitting there and you're going, oh, my gosh, that is so good. Oh, that's a praise breakout. Just go for it. All glory to God forever. Amen. Because you know what amen means? It means amen means to be firm. Like the one thing you and I can count on for sure is that God is going to get all the glory. That's what he's saying right here. This gospel plan gets God all the glory because he's going to get all the glory. Amen. Like that's good news. But then I love Paul's change of direction very quickly in verses 6 and 7. He's like, oh, glory to God. Wait a minute. Y'all be tripping. And he goes from this praise breakout to, all right, we're about to get serious here. And in verses 6 and 7, I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. See, the problem I'm having right now is some of you are shocked that Paul would actually call people out. We live in a culture today that does not celebrate telling people truth. We live in a culture today that says, how dare you suggest that something that I am doing is not good for me. I'll give you a perfect example. I have a former student who on Facebook declared he was going to make this decision with his life, and it was probably the worst decision I have ever seen someone publicly declare that they were going to make. Okay? Could not get any worse, I promise you, than what this guy said. What amazed me was the number of likes that followed that post. And then underneath that post were phrases of encouragement. Go for it. Do it. That's awesome. Run for that. But then one comment showed up. And the comment was, I don't think that's the best idea. You would have thought this guy had killed somebody. Because the inflammatory rage that came out on Facebook over this guy's concern for this other guy's life was mind-blowing. You a hater! You, you just sit there in your computer room and you, do, you tell people what they shouldn't do. Man, get off your, your butt and go do something. The, it, it was in, in, I could not believe that the concern that was expressed for this guy was destroyed. By people who said, man, you're just a hater. You don't 
You don't have any dreams of your own, so you're going to crash other people's dreams. It's a bad dream. And this dude had just enough care for this other guy to say that's not a good idea. This is what drove Paul's comments about the church. Paul's care and love for this church motivated his confrontation. Here's Paul's concern. Church, you have turned away from God. This is legitimate concern, considering they are a church. You have to remember, this letter came to believers. This letter did not come to people who did not know God. This was not to the pagans. This was not to the heathen. This was not to the sinners. This was to the church. Paul had every right to be concerned that they were turning away from God. Paul's concern, the church in America, we should be as just concerned. Why? Because in the subtle ways that we do, we turn away from God. Why? Well, because the subtle things sound really nice. Perfect example. There are many churches in America that simply teach it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are loving and good. Doesn't that sound incredible? Like, that sounds amazing. No one would get offended at that. No one gets mad at that. That's an incredible statement. It is so positive, and it is so my best day Friday, and it is so my best life yet statement that you can possibly make. As long as you're good and you just do good to people, then everything's good. Here's the problem with that. That's not the good news. In fact, if you look deeper into that statement, it's actually bad news. Because it gives bad people no chance at all. Do you understand that? Do you understand that some of America believes that church is good people learning how to be better people? And that's why they feel like they can't come and be a part of a church. Do you understand the deadliness to this lie that a church may proclaim? Do good and you'll be good. Because this suggests that all good people will find God eventually. And in fact, it's very bad news. Because number one, good people can't get to God, so it's a lie in that way. But number two, it says that bad people have no chance with God. Which in fact contradicts the gospel. Because we're all bad. None of us deserves this unmerited favor of God shown to us in Christ. It only pretends to be good news. This is a problem. And I hope that if you're in this room and you are of the opinion of it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you are loving and good, that you will understand that should you choose to walk in that, Jesus died for nothing. That's not the good news. In fact, it's the opposite of good news because it says that my works determine my relationship with God. Paul has every reason to be upset with the church. The good news is that God called us to himself. We didn't call out to him. He initiated and called us to himself through Christ making it possible for someone as messed up as Saul to know peace with God because it wasn't about his ability to save himself, but Jesus' ability to save. I guarantee you, Paul remembered Saul. I guarantee you, Paul remembered Saul. 
This is what the church was turning away from. Paul's not saying, hey, you guys are turning away from God and running after sex, drugs, and rock and roll. All the other things we typically think of when we hear turning from God. The Galatian church was actually turning from God because they were beginning to go, we've got to eat the things we're supposed to eat. We've got to do the things we're supposed to do. We've got to celebrate festivals we're supposed to celebrate. We've got to do the law. We've got to follow the law because they were building onto the, 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 the teachers were not saying Jesus is bad. They were saying it was Jesus. Now you have to add all of these things. The turning away that was happening was not that they were running to pagan things. They were running to the law. And Paul is shocked by this. Because this is not what he said. When you choose to add things on to Jesus, you actually remove Jesus. Which is why he was so shocked. See, for you and me, maybe it works like this. Um, I come to know Christ. I respond to the salvation invitation. I say yes to Jesus. I walk down the aisle. I fill out a card. I go pray a prayer. I do all those things. But yeah, man, this week was just bad. But I have this mission trip coming up that might make up for it. And so that mission trip will make up for the months of me doing my own thing. And so me and God will be good on this mission trip. But then you go on the mission trip, and then you're so focused on the girl that was on the mission trip with you that you forgot to do the mission. So you come home, and you say, oh, you know what? I will do double devotions to make up for my focus on this girl during this mission trip. I'm going to do two devotions a day. I'm going to pray and read and worship. I'm going to worship my guts out because I owe it to God because I was a terrible person on that mission trip. And you begin to add on. See, the thing is, going on a mission trip, not a bad thing. Choosing to sit and read my, the, the, the word of God and to pray, not bad things. But when they become bad is when we trust in those things to save us, to make us right with God. So when you guys have people going on mission trips and reading their Bible, you don't, you don't have to question. Those are good things. But they become terrible for us when we trust those things and not Christ. This is what Paul is saying. Guys. You've forgotten. You have totally forgotten, and you're trusting in your works. But it goes the same way when we screw up and blow it, too. Somehow, our non-righteous work, flying off at the handle at home, fighting, speeding tickets, you know, all those little things, we think that those things determine our stance before God. This is still a Jesus plus something else mentality. And Paul's saying, when you choose to add, you actually take Jesus out of the equation. Because you either have all of Jesus or none. (laughs) Paul has every right to be hot. Now, this is why he stays hot in his letter. Verses 8 and 9. Listen to these words. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again, what we have said before, if anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Now, I read that monotone, but I can guarantee you Paul did not speak that monotone to the scribe. I can only imagine the passion and conviction coming out from Paul when he's writing and the scribe is sitting over, oh my goodness, he, Paul is mad. I have never seen him this angry before. And I can see Paul, even if it was just today, it was one of those things, make sure to put an angry eye emoji right after that word, Okay. There are not enough exclamation points after that. Put it some more. Oh, wait. You know what? After those exclamation points, put four volcano symbols to show I'm really angry. Because Paul knew the danger of the church walking away from the one thing that called us out of darkness, and that is Christ himself. 
Now, this leads us to verse 10, which is his logical conclusion in his opening statement. Obviously, I love how he puts, obviously, (laughs) I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. The message of grace is a direct slap to the face of those of us who love our works. For those of us who walk believing it's about being a good person, the message of the cross is offensive. The beginning of Paul's letter, Paul announced whose authority he came in, Christ's. And at the end of his greeting, he says whose approval he's living for, Christ's. Whose authority you come in typically determines whose approval you're going to live for. I see it over and over. If we come in God's authority, we're living for God's approval. If we come in man's authority, we live for man's approval. And man's approval, living for that is a false good news. It is not good news at all. As Nate and the band come and we finish, you and I live in a world of in-app purchases. What I mean by that is when I go to the the app store and I want to download a new app for my phone, typically these these apps are free. Got a little free mark right next to it. But if you read the fine print and you go into the the app itself, you can look for in-app purchases. And in that drop-down comes this list of about 15 different things you can add on to and it'll cost you. (laughs) My children find them all the time when they're on my phone. Somehow. So thankful for passwords. But if we are not careful, we will begin to add on to our faith. These things that we think we need to trust and depend upon actually make less of Christ. So Highland, this morning... We can, do this walk, we can do this with our walk with Christ. See, worse yet, we can display with our lives that our trust is in our works to be right with God. A bunch of good people learning how to be better people. This is not the case. Jesus gave his life for our sins as planned by God to rescue us from this evil world we live in. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. Now, this morning, uh, for the next several weeks, just going to be straight up with you. We don't do this very often at Highland, um, but I'd like to consider two responses as we pray. I'll be over here this morning, and I'll wait for you know the song that Nate plays through, but if there's anyone in this room who would say, I don't know if I've ever trusted the good news. I don't know if I've ever said, Jesus, that's what I want. Then I want to pray with you, but then after that, I want to be able to go into this room with you and we'll just talk about what it means to trust the good news. And for those of you that have been in the good news, but maybe you've turned from God because you've trusted your works, or maybe you've wandered or you've forgotten your first love, on this side of the room there'll be some elders, some of their wives, to pray for you as we do what we call repent. We repent We change our minds about ourselves and about God where we've trusted our works. We say, I'm not trusting in that anymore. I'm trusting in the finished work of Christ. So during this song of response, in one of these two areas, we want this place to be a place where you can know you're prayed for. But at the same time,
This is a very specific invitation for those of you on the right. If you've, over here, if you've never trusted Christ or never responded to the good news, we want to help you do that. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for hope and grace and mercy that's unmerited, that we did nothing to deserve, but you extended to us through the cross of Christ. I pray that your church would never run from that message, but that we'd be able to declare it is actually good news. It's very good news. It's in your name we pray.